Hello, I'm Lisa Morton, the founder of Roland Dransfield PR, and this is our We Built This City podcast. You're going to hear conversations with the Mancunians born, bred and adopted who put the heart into Manchester since 1996 when we went about rebuilding the city after the IRA bomb. And now we are here, launching this podcast in one of the most unprecedented events in our history. The spread of coronavirus has stopped us all in our tracks. We did wonder if we should release these episodes, but when we thought about it, we believe we should, because the love and the family and the community that come out of these conversations will hopefully provide some strength and conviction that we did build this city and we will do it again. We love Manchester, and we know that it's built on the people that work together, day in and day out. People like John Thompson. Yeah. I have to draw the line at fish, chips and gravy. <laughs> this, the idea of a surf and turf sauce... <laughs> A beef-based sauce with a fish dish is just an anomaly. I'm sorry. Today on Roland Dransfields, we built this city. My mum is very excited that we have Manchester and national hero and favourite funny man, John Thompson. John is an incredibly accomplished stage and screen actor, voiceover man, stand-up comedian and TV presenter. Obviously, he's most famous in our neck of the woods as the lovable Pete Gifford in Cold Feet, which has just finished its ninth season, spanning over almost exactly the same number of years that Roland Dransville's been in business. Thanks so much for coming on to see us Hello. literally two days after the last, the most recent episode of Cold Feet. That's right. It's a great response for this comeback. It's a great show to be involved in. It's a great cast and it's brilliantly written. So it just kind of goes from strength to strength, really. But when we came back after a 13-year absence, I didn't think we'd have that kind of... It could have been a car crash. Well, our whole office, I mean, we've got some very young people in the office, and when it came out, they've all binged the whole of Coalfeet. Did they? Did they? Absolutely. That, it's been the topic of conversation. And honestly, we have been coming in the office and crying. That's so, that's, yeah, that's but 21-year-olds, you know, they absolutely love it. So it's, it's as relevant now as it was then. Well, that's so... Really? Mm. Well, that's very reassuring because kind of like I sometimes feel that English stuff doesn't quite cut the mustard... We don't have huge budgets. We don't have, like, megastars. We don't have effects-driven shows. We mm. don't have, you know, we're not superhero shows. Or, for, just for something about three couples, that's such a, that's really rewarding for me. But anyway, Fast Show, I've got some news about Fast Show anyway, so... Do you want to hear it? Go on. We're doing a brand-new documentary about the history of the show. That's great. And it's 25 years last year, so it's our wow. silver anniversary. So we've got a... We are... That's my next job. We're gearing up for a brilliantly executed documentary that's be, that will be a bit different. And when can we expect to see that? We will shoot... Mm, don't know. We will shoot soon. Amazing. Well, my first question is yes. from my mum, again, because okay. she is your biggest What's fan. What's her name? My mum's Carol. Hi, Carol. She met you in the co-op in Worsley right, when you okay. were shopping. Oh, right, that must have been back in the day when I was courting my ex-wife because <laughs> that's where she lived, in Stablefold. Near the Barton Arms. Oh, that's what Round the back there, yeah, yeah, yeah. She saw you, so she was very, been very a while excited, ago, that, because yes. I've not been near Worsley for years. Well, she's met you and Peter Kay in Worsley. She's met Peter at the uh, the petrol station twice and you in the co-op, so she's done right, shopping okay. here today. Yes. So she wants to know, because you spend your life making people laugh, Yes. what makes you laugh? Do you know what? Uh, Tommy Cooper makes me laugh, and the Morkman Wise make me laugh. I mean, anyone with funny bones makes me laugh. You know, naturally funny. They're just funny people. Yeah. Um, of the new people, go, who do you like that's new 
who's, who's well, he's not really new because he's been working, he's playing his trade for a long time. But I think I've seen him, I saw him live at Stockport was Mickey Flanagan. Mm. He's brilliant. He's really good. And it was work in progress. And he did two hours to a no he's a cockney that did it to a northern audience. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a true sign. Because we're a bit, you know, we're a bit suspicious around here, aren't we? You know, but I think uh, he's he's great. But I, I like old school stuff. Um, I, I just did a thing where we, we judge the best comedy character, and uh, there's a few things uh, that make me laugh. I, I remember my thing when I was growing up. You know, it, you tend to be the thing that you repeat in the school playground. Yeah. Mine was the young ones. Yeah. And I saw clips from it, and it's still strong. It's very very strong. Yeah. My daughter says, Dad, you don't laugh. You just go, hmm, funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just comment, apparently. I'll go, funny. But not show any kind of emotion. Funny. People <laughs> think I'm some sort of android. <laughs> Have you always wanted to be an entertainer? So yes. So you have a bit of a clown at school? Yeah, or? 100%. Okay, yeah. I was a uh, class clown, uh, loved the attention. What I realise now is I'm a lot more spiritual these days and my karma is every time I'm heckled is every time I wrecked a teacher's lesson. Right. That's what that is. And what I was was what's known in, is the, in the teaching world as a low-level disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> the worst kind. So I wasn't like at school, I wasn't violent. I, I didn't have a penchant <laughs> for fire. <laughs> there was nothing like that. It was just literally clowning. And so we're both a tale of two cities because we were both born in... Well, I was born in Manchester, right. that lived in Salford. Which hospital were you born in? I was born in um, Manchester Royal, Manchester which Royal. is where the Sainsbury's is now, next to the Ritz. Right. And um, and I grew up in Salford. My brother was born in Hope Hospital. Right. Which was... Was that where you were born? I was born mm. there and both my daughters were. Right. So Olivia and Sophia were born there. Sophia's one of the last because the maternity's gone now. Yeah. That ward's gone. Yeah. So I was born in Salford Royal, Hope... Salford Royal now, isn't it? Yeah. Adopted at Catholic Rescue in Didsbury. Right. And then Preston bred, but not quite Preston. It was New Longton, which is a, a rural village about five miles outside of Preston. So it was agricultural where mm. I grew up. So I had a lovely kind of idyllic childhood. But Preston's a bit scary, a bit rough sometimes, you know. It's a bit, it can be a bit, it's doing very well now. It is though. now. It's got it's a great business model mm. economically. It's doing brilliantly. And Uclan's a great university. In fact, they gave me a fellowship the other a couple of years ago, which is very kind. But um, it's 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 booming, Preston, which mm. I'm glad, I'm very happy to hear actually. But you were at uni, uh, was it uh, Manchester Poly? Yeah, mm. but it came full circle. So I was adopted on Parswood Road at Catholic Rescue, mm. and if you all the houses that back onto Parswood, all the way, there's no build, there's no buildings front facing on there. So the next building was Capitol Building. So in right. 18 years, I came full, full circle, circle. Mm. which is like fate, really. So that's where I started and that's why I trained. So that's amazing. But it's sad when I drive past and there's the, the theatre's gone. Mm. Shouldn't have been really. It's listed. It's a backhander, wasn't it? <laughs> Cerebral. Cerebral. Was it the Parswood pub's still there. <laughs> <Yes>. but... <laughs> so you did drama? Yeah. And what was it like? Was it that was a, a diploma in theatre then. Right. It's a recognised degree then. Yeah. But I got a 2 too. But the thing, it doesn't matter. It's, no. way, it's all about whether you work, really. And was, what was that like being a Aladdin kind of mid-80s... Doing Manchester drama. then, it was kind of... Because it was a Didsbury campus, mm. that's where we were kind of... I didn't really... I wasn't at All Saints, you see. I mean, I went to the Friday Night Bop at the Nelson Mandela building. Yeah. I don't know what... What's it called, the Student Union now, uh, for the Metropolitan? 
because they were going to call it the Bruce Forsyth building, weren't they? And I just thought, <laughs> you know, if you want kind of like a role model, Bruce is far and away from Nelson. There was talk of, honestly, the Bruce Forsyth building. <laughs> I mean, there's a hoo-ha. My dad went to Eumis and there was a hoo-ha about the Barnes-Wallace building. Really, he was a creator of a destructive device that killed people, but... You know, you get into all that kind of those politics. So, did you not go into Manchester? No, we used to do the Didsbury 11, not the Didsbury Dozen. It was 11 pubs when I was there. And that was the thing. But we never did 11. We did it once, and then there's a lot of people being ill. You know, it's just like. uh, So, because we were Didsbury based, we socialised in Didsbury. And when I went to. It was a bit like Town Mouse, Country Mouse. When I went to the Friday night bop at the Polytechnic, I hated it. It's just too much. It felt like a different city then. Yeah, it did. It was a bit too studenty because mm. I never saw myself as a student. Mm. Some people buy into a student identity, don't they? Yeah. They get the canvas bag that you can write on, write your bands on. They buy a long coat from Jive Hive. Is that still <laughs> still there, Jive Hive, near Johnny Roadhouse? <laughs> Used to be able to get amazing tootle scarves from there. You know, the silk scarves with the tassels, yeah. tassels on. Jive Hive, it was like, that's where you buy your knackered crombie coat. I must admit, I bought one. Someone said, don't buy one of them. You look like Rick Astley. <laughs> I did. did. And well, I did. Didn't you see I did what, and I did. What about the, the, the underground market, the Arndale? Uh, I, I did Down go the there. Do you know what I used to like? The weird flea market underneath the Royal Exchange. God, yeah, I remember. Do you remember that? I do, I do remember, yeah. It was brilliant, that. It was yeah. like a rabbit warren yeah. of all kinds of weird little stalls. Yeah. That's gone now. Um... But yeah, I'm not really. I didn't really buy into being a student. You know, there was kind of this kind of like, I just thought I don't, I don't like these bands, and I don't like this look, and I don't. I'd rather have a bath and don't like weed, and I don't, you know what I mean. I don't, there's all these things that I was supposed to do, and I thought I don't want to do any of this. So did you spend much time in Manchester after? Yeah, uh, did three years, and then I went to London because mm. the bright lights of the big city. So I thought, you know, OK, we'll go to London where the streets are paved with gold. Mm. Unfortunately, they're paved with hard liquor and cocaine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. Groundhog Day. It's yeah. just like private members' clubs, loads of partying, and it's awful. I just mm. kind of like... I had a great time because it was the 90s, so mm. we were booming. It was Tony Blair, and it was Brit, uh, Brit- cool Britannia. Yeah. And I was right in the middle of all that. I mean, I was mates with Damien Hurst. And, uh, and and Alex from Blur and Keith Allen, they used to hang around together. So we'd all, the thing about going into those private members clubs, once you remember, is you could go in on your own any time, any, any night of the week, and your pals would be there, you know. And that was a lovely thing, to be a newcomer in London, to have that kind of social circle that could just be anyone. Because yeah. I was a bit of a butterfly, I didn't have a clique. I just kind of flitted between other people. I loved that, but what came with it was hard partying and, like, you know, all back to mine midweek, and it was kind of like, oh, no, and then I moved back to Didsbury. And you were in L.A. for a while. You'd go to L.A. Did six weeks there, only six weeks, but it was enough because um, 2012-13 were lean years, it was famine. So in my job, it's feast or famine, and it's always very difficult. So the reason why I I have a lot of strings to my bow, so... I write, I do stand-up, I'm an impressionist, I'm a voiceover artist, I do magic. So all these things are there deliberately for uh, backup and just in case, you know, I can, I can go, go in that direction. The great thing about creativity, though, if, you, if you're not work-shy, is you can magic money out of thin air if you really, if you work hard enough. 
The problem with LA is you're starting again. You don't know who. I mean, my CV's great. Here in this country, I've done. I've had a huge body of work over the. I've been doing it now. I started at 18, thanks to Granada, next door to where we are. Yeah. Um, I, I started doing the the comedy festival that was televised in the Boddington's tent just here. Outside stage one, it was the Boddington's comedy tent. Do you remember? It was okay. brilliant. It was a great venue. And they televised it. They filmed that. So quite a few things I did originally were regional. And uh, and then I kind of started move, branching out into drama. I did Perfect Match, which was written by Mike Bullen. And that's where I got spotted for Cold Feet. But I did Corrie here, a comedy sketch show with Steve and Caroline Ahern called uh, The Dead Good Show. And then we did a breakaway show when Steve went and departed, me and Caroline did a show called The Fun Monty. And I said, don't call it that. There's a film coming out about male strippers. And they went, well, we've done it now. And I went, what? <laughs> it was me and Caroline went, they're just stupid. <laughs> oh, and I went, oh, it's just I like, Caroline. oh, Caroline, sorely missed. Sorely missed. It'll be hard doing the fast show documentary mm. without her, really. And what about, I've got to mention for mum again, um, Pauline Car- Paul and Pauline Carr, because the, the wedding was in Monton Church. Was it at Monton? Yeah, and that was just a Mr. You, you and your Mr. Clutch. Well, Mr. Clutch was a real oh, organisation, you know, and they yeah, were thrilled I that I put them on the map. And they wondered brilliant. if I would pose for the calendar. Now, whether that meant naked holding a clutch, I don't know. But, yeah, I didn't realise. I thought it had been a... You know, they have to knock, they knock up a fake business for telly. Yeah, there was, was a, real a real one. one. There's a real one, Mr. Clutch. Just... But the joke was, he went, oh, where are you... Wear your work clothes. And I turn up to the wedding in, in a blooming overall. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, because I've Googled it recently. I've got to, you can watch it now. I can watch the whole thing online. Yeah. So my mum's really chuffed about that. Oh, that's brilliant. Also, simply, so you're friends with um, Frank Seavey, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Chris. And you and being Frank recently. I saw that film. It's brilliant, mm. you know. I can't recommend that documentary enough. It's so really, really brilliantly done. But Chris was a great... Now, you know you said what makes you laugh? Mm. Chris Seavey could make me cry laughing. Those two together, we were murder. But honestly, talk about laugh. I remember there used to be a bar next to the post office collection point for parcels on in Fallowfield, and it was a late drink every night. Anyway, there was quite a bit of a... There was a bit of a drug problem happening in there because it was a late place, and uh, their way of dealing it was to remove the toilet completely, which is actually an infringement of civil rights, I think. <laughs> not not civil rights, it's an human infringement rights. of human rights. <laughs> I'll never forget, and he was, like, making up songs about it, like, to New Order, going, how does it feel to not have a toilet? <laughs> and it, we, I remember crying, laughing. But, yeah, it was great because when I did Remote Control with Tony Wilson, it was me, Caroline, Phil Cornwell and Frank uh, Chris Seavey. And we had such a brilliant time. We had a hoot. Going back to Cold Feet, um, I really love the fact that it's all about kind of messy relationships. It's about the ups and downs. It's about kind of the the, tra- the traumatic stuff we go through over a long time with, with mates. That seems so authentic on Cold Feet. Is that something that you've experienced with the cast over that period of time? Have you stayed in touch or...? Yeah. I'm very loyal if they've got another show on. So if they've got a show uh, at the theatre and I've got some time in London doing something else, I'll go and see them. So, or Robert... Robert likes to do quite a bit of theatre. So I saw him in Blue Orange at the Opera House on touring. Jimmy, I've seen in a a production. Uh, So basically, if they do theatre, I'll go and see them. So... Yeah, we're always in touch. Faye's daughter, Parker, gets on famously with my daughter, Olivia. 
they get on great. Hermione is uh, Olivia's godmother. Oh, OK. Jimmy, he's kind of a bit of a lawn to himself, really. We're great mates, but he's more kind of sport Billy and I'm not mm. really interested in he's that. He's always so, United. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a season ticket. Yeah. Oh, but he's best mates with Fergie. Yeah, I see him a lot. Seriously. Yeah. But it's a dream come true for him. What I respect about Jimmy is... He's a fan because of George Best, and he's a Northern Irish lad that literally, as soon as he saw Bestie playing, he's been a fan since then, and that's why. He's not one of those latecomers to the party kind of cockney (laughs) (laughs) supporters, uh, which doesn't really make sense to me. And that must be his dream come true, you know. He's like mates with with Fergie, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's He's always in the posh seats. Yeah, he's in the always, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Do you think um, in Manchester that we're particularly good at friendships and relationships? Who was it said that? Is it Guy Garvey said we share the love around here, don't we? That's a great quote, that. I think yeah. it's brilliant. Well, there's loads of quotes, isn't there? It's nice to be nice uh, and all that kind of thing. I think that's a, just a great life ethic, really. It's nice to be nice. It's a simple kind of law of attraction ideology that works. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't say such a no-brainer. Yeah. But some people haven't got it. That's the strange <laughs> thing. There are toxic people out there who seem to relish... Creating a disturbance, the force, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like it. You know what I mean? I don't, but there'll always be those people, and I suppose, I suppose, it's the yin and the yang of life. You know, it's mm. there's no dark without light, and mm, like you say, it's not difficult. To be but nice. it's lovely to be surrounded yes, by nice to be nice peace people. You know, and you can. There are jobs like that, and really, on the whole, I'm very fortunate to say that that isn't the case. There's mm. the odd one, but there's not many lovies really. Mm. Um, I do wish the, the there seems to be in film a terrible divide that needs to be addressed. That's uh, kind of Ken Loach here addressing social issues, and uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land, Richard Curtis, Notting Hill, but never nothing in the middle. What? What? And I, I'd love to kind of create some sort of realm where we all work together. You know what I mean? It's kind of that London-centric middle class kind of thing. Before weddings, and then there's that kind of e. It's grim up north. E. I hate being a lorry driver. You know, I I just wish, I just wish that we could kind of address that gap because I've got posh friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, it doesn't mean to, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, I think that's casting's fault really. I think they need to think wider. We're gonna have civil war on our hands, <laughs> class war at least. You've got a great relationship with your daughters, obviously. Yeah, you see lovely. a lot of them on, on social media and stuff, and Olivia is following in your footsteps. She is. But my mum and dad never told me to get a proper job. So I said I want to be an actor, and oh. they supported me. Never said once, oh, what? You know, my dad wasn't a tradesman. That was in business. My dad took me aside and said, don't ever get into business. And I said, well, I haven't really got into that kind of business, but I am my own business. I am my own brand, so you've got to remember that. That's one thing actors forget is that you are... You might as well be able to act. You've got to market yourself. You're a brand. You've got to put yourself out there. There's a lot of things you're not taught at drama school that you need to know, that you will not work all the time, and you need backup jobs. You need to be able to do other stuff. Uh, The problem with the thing is, though, is... I don't consider myself a celebrity, but I have achieved celebrity as a byproduct from my abilities. Yeah. A lot of people want to go straight for the celebrity mm. without any ability, which is insane. However, the problem we've got is the Kardashians, for example, have proven that it's doable, which is a great shame. So, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny old world we live in, uh, really. I, I love watching talent, raw talent, in any field, really. I just love, love to watch people with skills. I love that hashtag, skills pay the bills. <laughs> it's a great one. And when I see someone with absolute raw talent in any field, it just... An example is, if you see that documentary about Whitney Houston, mm. when she sings for the first time on TV, oh, my God, that is yeah. like... It's quite something, that. Yeah. Also the Dolly Parton um, documentary at Christmas. I mean, my daughter's she doesn't want to come into business. She She's a singer and to be, she did musical theatre, but we watched that at Christmas and that was a real eye-opener for her to know about the graft. Well, she wrote two songs in one day, didn't she? Yeah. Wrote, I Will Always Love You and, and Jolene or something, yeah. in the same day. Yeah. My God. I but, love prodigies. They're amazing, aren't they? But it was a long career, wasn't it? She's, yeah. still, she's still grafting now, you know. And yeah. so that's the thing, and it's like a portfolio you've got to maintain. career. You do. That's yeah, you've hard got to maintain. Going. It's like a, any writer, a book a year. If you, that's yeah. the rule. Yeah. No matter how bad that book is, keep going. Mm. Keep going a book a year. Or is mm. it a book a year? Yeah. Well, I can't convince Nina to come into Roland Ronsville. She said when she was seven that she pondered for about ten minutes, and then she said, I could... Or I could work in a chocolate factory. Can I ask factory. you a question? <laughs> yes. Roland Dransfield, who is that? So Roland Dransfield's my godfather. Okay. And he discovered my dad under his car in a in a garage in yeah. South. My dad was a mechanic. Yeah. And he saw something. My dad and took him under his wing. Okay. And it was Roland Dransfield Engineers. Yeah. And they ended up having the business on Trinity Way in Salford. Brilliant. And then when Roland died, I, I took the name. I wanted to call my business after him because he kind of embodies all the values. Plus, yeah. He put me in business. He came to my mum's house one day and said, you've got a car washing around. Go and wash some cars and then you can pay me back for the bucket and the sponge at the end of the day. And I did, and that was it. And my pocket Fantastic. money stops. Yeah, yeah. So he's a set of work ethic early. It's yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and he's a proper yeah. self forward and he was oh, kind yeah, of rags to great. kind of riches. I mean, we talk, it's interesting because we talk at Roland Dransfield a lot about purposeful relationships and our purpose. Um, where do, what do you feel your purpose is? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, work's my drive. Mm. But being sober is a brilliant way to get up early because there's yeah. no fog. So I can't recommend it enough, really. I mean, when that, when you get used to no hangovers, I mean, I've not had one for 13 years now. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. I've noticed, well, because I've got new curtains, actually. I've got, <laughs> got more of a blackout. I've got more oh of a blackout. God, I'm swearing um, for a blackout blind. <laughs> I, I inherited some terrible <laughs> curtains when I bought my house. But I did, we just got them done recently and uh, I was sleeping in a bit more. But I'll never sleep in beyond eight, eight o'clock. But, you know, I do like to seize the day. Yeah. It's a great... I'd rather... I used to be a night owl. Yeah. But I much prefer having a purposeful day. Yeah, I You agree. know, and be be useful. Mm. You know, if you're not working, do one thing every day that's of use to somebody else, not you. Try and be useful. Is it is a very... It's a great way of kind of looking at it. It's a bit like when I was at Cub, I was in the Cubs, is do a good turn every day. Yeah. But the hard thing to do when you do a good turn every day is if it's a really good turn is you want to tell everybody about it. <laughs> and I kind of think it negates that turn. Yeah. You know, when you brag about it, quiet you go, turn. yeah, that's what I did mm. today. I think if you can keep your powder dry and do that turn and only you and that person know about it, it's a bit more magic. It really is. Yeah. yeah. If you're loving We Built This City please could you take the time to leave a five-star review on your podcast platform? Thank you. So I've given you our yes, Rome Transfield way, which kind of leads us into that. So these are 15 values yeah. of how we live and work and we want to hold ourselves accountable for. 
And I love what you just said then, because I think I might want to add that as a 16th, but is there anything on there that really kind of speaks to you? Well, never leave the game early. That's something I have to do because I don't drink now. Yes. And what I have to do is tip off the closest person <laughs> who's still a bit sober. <laughs> I'll do something charitable. Uh, I'll donate something or, or I'll, I'll do some sort of, you know, charitable mm -hmm. thing. Like I, What I tend to do is, because I'm not sporty, um, I have a bit of a brain. So I have won most British game shows and made thousands of pounds for charity. Yeah. I mean, literally thousands and thousands. I came second on Mastermind by a point which kills me. But Stuart Lee did something about an avant-garde bassist called Bailey, somebody Bailey, and... My dad went, there's probably no books written about him. <laughs> I did Bond Villains, which was 22 films at the time, over three decades. And it's a vast revision. And I got 14 and no passes, so I was chuffed. But I thought I'd won it. Ted Robbins was doing the warm-up and he went, he memoed to me and went, I think you've won. And Stuart beat me by a point. Because <laughs> there's no score. You don't see the score being registered. So that hurt. I could forgive... Uh, Rufus Hound beating me on 15 to 1 by a point, but I still had two lifelines. Uh, but he did it tactically, so I don't mind. So at a 15 to 1, I, I came second. That's all right. But everything else I've won. Yeah. Tipping point, chase. I've come to the final twice on pointless. I didn't get the pointless answer. It was only two. It was a two pointer. I don't know. So it was something to do with Abba hits. Anyway, but I love doing game yeah. shows. I love... Yes. I'm competitive on an intellectual level, yeah. but I'm not competitive in a sporting way. So the only thing that lets me down in that uh, department is trivia about sport. I'm not great. That's the that's the thing. But I'm great on a pub quiz. If I get a sporty man or Glendy, <laughs> yeah. anyone sporty on my team in a pub quiz will always come at <laughs> least second. I love it. So leave the game early. What I'm getting to is... On the back of doing a charitable act, I'm always invited to go, we'd love to invite you to our ball. Well, through sober eyes, yeah. stone cold clarity, they're not great. They're all the same. And I appreciate, and I'm not ungrateful for you to ask me, but they're all the same. I find them tough. It's a personal appearance, really, if the public are there. And you are mithered. And I will always say yes to a selfie, yes. even though people are rude to me. Um it's tough. They're hard. They're really, really hard. And what I will do is, what well, I'll leave the game early. I'll say, I'm going. I'm, go I'm going. But the re you have to tell someone, because if you just vanish, the people go, you could be dead in a ditch. You That's know. The, the Manchester Face drown in the, in the canal from yes, the pusher. The pusher. <laughs> But that's they say if you're going to do a dog in the fog in Manchester, don't they? So you just do one. It's always called don't a dog in the fog. <laughs> do one. I, I don't just do one. Someone knows. Because I need someone to go, where's John gone? Otherwise, it's that, come here, have a dance. Give us a kiss. Come here. Get up. What's up with you? Come on, have a drink. What do you mean you can have one, can't you? Come on. It's like, leave me alone. Oh, the relief when I get in that taxi, I just go, ah. Oh. Oh, oh so yes, always. I unfortunately, <laughs> yes. that I always leave the game early. Accept responsibility, absolutely. Yeah, don't pass the book. There's a lot of people. Well, blame game. No, not buying that. <laughs> leaders create leaders. One quote I came up about myself was: I cannot imagine not being good at anything I don't like. I can't imagine that. And anything I do, I make sure that I'm good at okay. it. This is a very important lesson to anyone that might be in a job they don't like or. A career or something I cannot imagine being good at something I didn't like because what would be the what a wasted life yeah. but everything I like I'm good at 
if I do something that I've never done before and I can do it, I love it. So two Embrace things are, it, temping yeah. bowling, I can... Well, I was getting strikes early on, I thought, oh, I've got a system here. And, and clay pigeon shooting, I can do that as well. So two things I've never done before, I took to like a duck to water. But if I do something like water skiing, <laughs> I was useless. I hate it and I'm not doing it again. I'm not going to persevere because I just knew I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. But I think really pursue the things you like and get good at them, yeah. you know, because I love getting good at everything that I'm good at. Well, skate rooms. Yeah, I'm getting better and better. <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is I've done I've done ten recently and I've, only, I've got out of nine, right? <laughs> what well, what one, we not last left in the ten? Well, there was one. I, I, I couldn't, <laughs> there was one, it was, it was a tough one. And um, I think it's called Disturbed. It's about a missing, a missing police one. Some of them are quite dark, mind you. They're a bit, they're a bit, they're, they're kind of gory. They're not all gory. And I mentioned it to my, my Olivia, my daughter, and I went, oh, I said, uh, oh, it's just one we didn't get home. And she said, well, which one was that? And I went, um, oh, disturbed. She went, ha ha, me and Brooke got out of that. And I went, you're joking. <laughs> and she's the only one. Oh, it killed me, that. And I say I'm not com competitive. I think Manchester's full of escape rooms. It's full. Is there something There's behind breakout, that? I, there's Breakout High Street, Breakout <laughs> Church Street. There's the Escape Escape down in Cathedral Basin. There's uh, Escape Reality in the Printworks. And there's Locardo uh, over in Ancoats, next to the Crown and Kettle opposite the Frog and Bucket. Uh, I absolutely love them. Really? Yeah. I would never know that. There's another, there's, and Breakout, I've got one. Uh, Locardo got one up in Rottenstall, I think. But there's a good one in Chester as well. The, but they, honestly, I can't recommend them enough. It's just for just something different. But I used to take when I was dating. I used to take uh, dates on there, and if they if they were useless, I wouldn't see them again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a test. God. Just going to obviously Roland Dansfield. I set it up one month after the IRA yeah. bomb, and I'm sure we can kind of all remember that day. Can you remember that time? What was going on in your life? Unbelievable. Or? Unbelievable what happened. I was at the Royal Exchange doing the Rivals with Maureen Littman and Tony Britton. Yeah. And I was playing uh, Bob Akers, who's like the country bumpkin who wants to be a gentleman. So we're doing that play, and it was the old exchange. There was a different setup in the theatre yeah. there. Um, and because uh, it was a restoration comedy, we had dresses and makeup calls before the show. So you had your wig fitted. And I remember coming off after my kind of second stint in the second half, everyone running around like uh, people were crying. And all the lights were off. And when the show actually came down, we had to evacuate the building. And, he, and I was like, what on earth? And at the time, I, I, I was drinking and I went, is the bar shut? And they went, yes, John, it is. Get out. Get out. And I went, I don't get a pint after the show. And they went, no, you do not get out. And I was like, I was absolutely devastated. How dare you take my pint away from me after the gig? Anyway, um, what transpired was they'd had a coded IRA phone call to say that we're going to detonate uh, after the show uh, okay. has come down. But this is the worst part. One of the cast at the time, Dominic, had had an audition in London that day and was late. The train was delayed, so the show went up half an hour late. So technically, that was why there was a panic after the show, is that the show probably came down about 10, yeah. but it came down at half 10. That could have gone off yeah. with a full cast and audience in the, in the building. Uh... Thankfully, it didn't happen. And the show went up next night. But looking back, uh, terrifying, really. And it was we ju it was only, like, weeks, very, very marginal that year. 
that show finished and it went off. That was damaged so badly, wasn't it? The yeah, yeah, the whole the dome biggest... came down, the glass the glass dome yes. came down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that then did trigger, obviously, under Sir Howard Bernstein, and Roland Dransville then was involved in helping to kind of market and regenerate. And, regenerate. Um, and obviously we've seen massive changes in the city. Huge! Are well, you... I used to walk, walk from Greengate, yeah. where my dad worked, Greengate, yeah. Polymer Coatings, under the bridge and up. You'd come up at Shambles Square. Yeah. I remember Shambles Square was like a Safeways. Yeah, there was a gun safe. shop there called Sussex Armoury oh that sold guns, like rifles and handguns. <laughs> this is pre. <laughs> this is pre Manchester. <laughs> uh, it was a horrible seventies precinct, and then you'd walk down those. You know, those yeah. near near the Ramada. There was a waterbed shop there, I remember. Oh, my God, yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. It was the only one in, like, what, yeah, the UK or so something. weird. <laughs> but that whole area was awful. And then they moved, didn't they? They moved Sinclair's Oyster they did. Bar. They, moved the, on they a, lifted it. On wheels, didn't they? And, and repos- it's amazing, that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. So that, that particular area of Manchester I knew was kind of... That was a total change when it happened. I just couldn't recognise it. Do you, I mean, do you? Well, some people think it should go back to... Some people say they've got um, affection for the like, kind of gritty... Skyscape, but I mean, yeah. How do you feel about the the changes and you're bracing the modern? I spoke to a well, I live in Didsbury and a, a minicab driver. A woman had been, she was an expat, and she came back 25 years since she's been here, and she cried. He said she hated it. Really? Yeah, she couldn't stand it. Hated. She couldn't recognise the city. But it's just I don't know. People are set in their ways, aren't they? Really, I don't. I, I think I'm, was... this city's amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's new pockets happening all the time. First Street. I remember when that started. There were these strange acrobatic statues, yeah. weren't yeah. there? And a bit of like, I didn't know what was what's this. Someone said that was the new council offices. I heard. And now look at it. Mm. That's really taken off. And yeah. then I spotted a cinema around the corner. Every man, yes, that's new, isn't it? It is new. Yeah. So we've got St John's behind us on Granada, Mill um, Granada sign. I didn't. I wouldn't have known that if I'm coming today. Yeah. Do you think there's something about Manchester's sense of humour? Because we, we're dark, sarcastic, we love people falling over. Well, and we I can't s- help ourselves. To sum up the north, I said, <laughs> what do you love about being up north? Because I, I was glad to get out of London, actually, because it's full of neurosis, mistrust. The, the tube is just awful. <laughs> um, I said, well, the three things I love about the north is it's cheap, friendly and inclement. And people who say inclement, I go... Look it up in a dictionary. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it rains. It's raining. <laughs> Inclemency. We have different types of rain as well, don't we? Have, um, we do. And, yeah. That rain that gets you really wet, yeah. like Peter <laughs> Kay talks about. And it's so true. The fine, ladies. The, fine, the fine mist. Save yourselves. Yeah, it's, it's so just true. spitting. Spitting. Oh, no. <laughs> so, and which um, Mancunians would you say have particularly inspired you over the years? Do you know I'm going to have to say? I'm going to have to say this, and it's like a, it's like a bad person, but it, it, but I, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have had an act. Is Bernard Manning because oh, yeah. I did the PC version. Mm, yeah. So Bernard, although you got you can't just you can't like re- rewrite history. You've got to remember that Bernard, in of his time, was a brilliant comic, a great timing, and a you know a genuinely really good comedian. But it was unacceptable what the kind of humour he was doing in the end. It was just not. Right, so I saw a market for this, and the way that time things were moving in, in the times, and I created the politically correct Bernard Manning with Bernard Wright on. Yeah. So Bernard, he was yeah. my inspiration to do the positive yeah. side yes. of him. Did he? Was that? Did he even know about he that? He did know about it, but he claimed no. He goes, who? He used to go, 
Never heard of him. And he went, you know John Thompson. He works with Steve Coogan. He went, I know Steve Coogan. He used to fill me caddy up with petrol in Middleton. And he did. Steve was a petrol pump attendant in Middleton. Yeah, yeah. And Bernard used to drive a big caddy around. And he goes, I know Steve Coogan. He, drew, he used to fill me caddy up with petrol. But he, would deny, he denied my All existence. I can't, the last, I can't remember the last time I actually heard a joke because there are no jokes really now, are there? There's observational humour, it seems, but not actually, there's no one line. One of the problem with new comics is, is, right, you can talk about your life, but put some blooming jokes in. Just to say, <laughs> talk well, I woke up this morning, I feeling a bit... Well, I'm just waiting for the kind of, you know... I wrote a joke yesterday, actually. No, Sunday I wrote a joke, and someone said to me, it came on the back of, we were talking about rap music, and I said... He said, what's your favourite rapper? And I said, I love Tupac, Tupac Shakur. And he said, oh, Tupac, really? I said, yeah, but you know why he called himself Tupac, don't you? And they said, no, I, d I don't know the reason. I said, because he couldn't market himself as part of a multi-pack. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, is it? It's all right, that. We can have you heard it first. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, so, obviously, so Bernard Manning, anyone else that's not... To be honest... Alan Turing, because I'm quite bright, and I think I'd love it if we did get in. God forbid, I hope we don't go to war again. I'd love to be think that I'll be recruited by Bletchley, <laughs> solving code ciphers, crackers. a code cracker. <laughs> what an amazing man! What an absolutely yeah, amazing man! Man. man! You know, the home of computers, Manchester. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah. That's, I mean, what an amazing man! Absolutely. But he's never been in a sentence of Bernard Manning before, though. No, no, I bet no, he hasn't. Probably not. <laughs> We built this city, Mancunians born, bred and adopted, that put the heart into modern Manchester. I've got a few quick-fire questions for you. Favourite Manchester expression? I don't use it, but our kid makes me laugh, our kid. Because one of the questions was, do I see myself as a Mancunian? So yes. I worked this out. Yeah. I was born in Salford, so I'm, I'm not a Salfordian, I'm a Man Mancunian, but with a Salford birthplace, so mm -hmm. that's how I see it. Then I was adopted, and a, so I was adopted in Manchester, and I was raised uh, till I was 18, but then I was in Manchester for, I did London for seven years, and so I kind of, for the, the majority of my adult life has been spent in Manchester, and I was born here, so I do see myself as a Mancunian. I wouldn't, see, I wouldn't say Prestonian, particularly. Mm. I don't really have an, a, you know... I grew up there, but I, I do see myself as a Mancunian, yeah. 100%. And uh, I was I was actually, when City Life were going as a magazine, I was Mancunian of the year. And oh. thankfully no-one went, he's a Prestonian, give it, <laughs> he has to give it back. Well, we didn't have the internet then. No, we didn't. <laughs> What's about your favourite Manchester band? I err on the... my. I've got black ears, so I don't like indie. Really? So I like M People, yeah. Ray and Christian, that kind of thing. That's my kind of vibe. The songs I like from individual bands, like Wonderworld's an amazing, yeah. especially with the string arrangement. Uh, Step On, I love, yeah. and I love uh, Fool's Gold. But my rule of thumb, if there's not a black person in the band, I don't like them, right. really. Because someone said, who's your favourite band? I went, Earth, Wind and Fire. I mean, what a fantastic... <laughs> I mean, that's my kind of vibe. Yeah. That's me. I'm all about the funk. Because yeah. I'm a drummer, drummer. you see. Yeah, yeah. Course, I mean, yeah. but, but I don't really like... Indie music, it's a bit too white for me. It's right. very, I find it very mournful, mm. a bit sad, a bit, a bit studenty. 
Yeah, it is Juneteenth. I don't, it's not for me. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't hope I've not upset anyone with that, but it's just not. It's too mournful for me. I, I like to. I like music to be a bit celebratory. Yeah, you like reggae. You like. I you love like reggae. cooking to reggae, don't you? I like ironing to reggae. Ironing to reggae. Yes, I love to iron to reggae. Right. I love reggae. Reggae's the only thing that kind of get me moved. You know, just suddenly yeah. <laughs> play a bit of reggae. I'm, I'll start having a bit of a move. You know. <laughs> what about uh, fish and chips or curry and chips? Okay, so being a ma- massive foodie, um, I will have fish and chips and curry sauce. Yeah. I have to draw the line at fish, chips and gravy. <laughs> this, the idea of a surf and turf sauce, <laughs> a, a beef-based sauce with a fish dish is just an anomaly. I'm sorry. You know, call it fusion. I call it confusion. It's a mess. Oh, Do not have fish, chips and gravy. It doesn't work. Why do you think the Goans make fish curry? The Goan Indians have been making a fish curry for many years. Do not have gravy with fish. It's wrong. Even, <laughs> no, if, even if it's vegetarian. What about, have you got a favourite, like, Manchester biscuit? I'll tell you what, one biscuit that I used to love that okay. they don't do anymore, and there's a little history attached to this. You'll remember this biscuit, the United. Oh, yes. Now, the United biscuit was a... Quite thick. I've noticed there's been massive cutbacks on the thicker biscuits, the the, the, the thickness of the coating, because I remember Club. Yeah. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. You can't say that now, because there isn't a lot of chocolate on the biscuit. They've, like, <laughs> no, cutbacks, Brexit. <laughs> see, I see they've pulled the plug on the, that, that machine. They've Wait. gone, like, turn the valve down, Alan, <laughs> at the Club factory. So the United Biscuit, here we go. That was made, uh, I think it was conceived probably in, around here, so the beauty of that was it was a biscuit base shaped like a club biscuit, a bit like a trio, you know, if you yes. remember the trio. Uh, and it was a honeycomb topping. So you'd have biscuit base, honeycomb, crunchy top, thick top, covered, totally covered in chocolate. But because it was called United, they put the wrapper in a blue and white yeah. stripe just to keep both sides happy. happy. I think it's, it did. It did, didn't it? Mm-hmm. There was no riots. Over the biscuit. There weren't the biscuit wars of 75. (laughs) John, lastly, how would you describe Manchester to somebody that had never been to the city? Well, I'll use my my quote. Manchester, cheap, friendly and inclement. John, that is absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely brilliant. And my mum's going to be so proud of me. Thank you. All right. I apologise for laughing all the way through that interview. I was so funny. I had to cut some of it out because I just couldn't actually breathe. <laughs> so thanks to John for coming along and cheering us up and hopefully that has done the same and brightened your day a little bit. In the next episode, you'll hear the musician and broadcaster Clint Boone and why he loves Mancunians. I think in any city, people pull together. You know, in any community, people would pull together. But It's hard for me to be objective and say, does Manchester deal with it any differently? in in a situation like that. I feel that Manchester is such a warm community of people that, yeah, we we do help each other out at times like that. This is a podcast from Roland Dransville PR. Our mission is to build purposeful relationships in all we do. If you do want to talk to us, give us a call on the same number we've had for 23 years, 0161 236 1122.